Hi, I'm Simon Russell, founder of Behavioural Finance Australia. I'm here with Andrew Valamos, CEO and co-founder of the online investment marketplace Open Invest in Melbourne. Welcome, Andrew. Simon, great to be back at Behavioural Finance Australia's headquarters. Uh, Andrew and I recently recorded a podcast on the problems individual investors can encounter when working together, such as communication issues and misunderstandings. We discussed the need for getting things out in the open that might be hidden, like how much each person thinks they're contributing, what they, what they think their role is, and whether they feel they're being listened to. Uh, we discussed the Open Invest quizzes as one way of achieving this. Uh, in this follow-up podcast, we're going to talk a bit more about other solutions. What other strategies can investors use to work better together? Now, in the Open Invest quizzes, we outline seven communication strategies that people can use to work better together. Um, None of them is rocket science, but each is easy to forget when you're thinking about something else. So I might just run through a couple of these, uh, Andrew, and then see what you think. Um, Now, one of these strategies is the idea of active listening. Uh, So this is the idea that uh, when listening to your conversation partner, you uh, actively confirm your understanding as you go. So one way to do this is by reflecting back to that person uh, what you think they've said. So you're not intending to parrot, I guess, repeat back word for word, uh, because that would be annoying and contrived, but you're sort of paraphrasing or restating or reframing. And another strategy is a bit similar to that one, is uh, asking open questions. So asking, what do you think, instead of, do you agree? So it's a bit similar to getting feedback that we discussed in the last podcast. The idea is that open questions are going to give you a, a greater window into your partner's thoughts, whereas with closed questions, those sorts um, can remain hidden. So what are your thoughts from your interactions with SMSF trustees on those two strategies? Um, Simon, thank you. For those that didn't listen to last week's episode, uh, we were talking about the extent to which there is a uh, something of a mismatch between the extent to which, which is generally the case with SMSFs, a, uh, two life partners, as, as generally as um, spouses, husband and wife, Uh, feel that they're equally contributing to the decision-making process. And I think the data we showed was that uh, men are two and a half times more likely to be the main decision-maker in making investment decisions in relation to the fund. And we spoke about how do we we get to a situation where the couple feel uh, that their decisions are more a function of a shared input. So now because it's an online solution, Open Invest, um, we don't actually have the direct face-to-face engagement with, with people, unless we're meeting them at different um, expos or they happen to call in uh, and ask more about Open Invest. But let me slightly flip things around. What we've, what we've done on Open Invest is provide a means by which some of the world's biggest and best asset managers can present themselves, explain who they are, uh, how they're investing, who's in the team, what themes they're thinking about internationally are particularly important in influencing their investment decisions, and therefore why the portfolios that they're running through Open Invest currently are the way they are. And of course what the, the fees are, etc. So we've put that there and there's a lot of um, ability for, for individuals to engage with the content of the different asset managers. So the way you've asked the question, how should a couple who are SMSF trustees go through that information together and come up with a decision that is one they feel is a joint decision as opposed to one only? Well, I'm going to throw it back at you, if you don't mind, because um, we would hope clearly active listening makes sense. But if I throw it back at you and and Mr. and Mrs. Smith uh, are looking at the videos, watching videos, reading content from the different asset managers on Open Invest, how do you think they should go about 
agreeing which of those asset managers they'd like to select to be the outsourced portfolio manager for them looking after the fund. Uh, good, good pivot, Andrew. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so I, I guess choosing an asset manager is a highly complex and well, can be a highly complex and difficult decision, in which case people do tend to need support to do that would be my first uh, response. And that response, that, that support could come in a number of forms. Um, so one of the things that I talk to professional investment teams about, which, but I think it's relevant really for anyone making complex choices across a range of domains, whether it be investment or, or otherwise, is where you've got a complex, multifaceted, multidimensional um, sort of decision to make, where there's lots of different variables and there's uncertainty about which ones are important and how they're going to relate to each other, is that there's a rapidly diminishing marginal return to using more and more information. So if you start with what is the most important piece of information, as you incorporate that one single most important thing into your decision, then your decisions go from zero to something substantially above zero. And as you get the second thing, it goes up again and up again. But as you add the third and the fourth and the seventh and the twelfth and the fifteenth thing uh, to that decision, well, your decisions actually only become marginally, marginally better. And then eventually you get to a tipping point where this is not always the case with each type of decision, but in much of the research it is the case, where these quote-unquote low validity or, or very unimportant things that we can potentially become distracted by can actually make your decisions worse than if you were just to ignore that thing completely. So with that in mind, one of the things I think a couple or a, a partnership of, of one or more people, sorry, two or more people in, a, in the context of an SMSF choosing an asset manager would be to, before even thinking about which asset manager, would be to say, what is the single most important thing we should be looking at? And then after that single most important thing, what is the second most important thing? And maybe what is the third most important thing? And possibly stop at that point, because there's some research that came out of um, uh, ASIC. They wrote a paper on disclosure um, maybe six months ago now, late, mid, late last year. And they were looking at the effectiveness of people's decision-making in, a again, a multi-variable type environment. And, well, really, after we're trying to incorporate more than about two or three things, it becomes very, very difficult. So I'd, be st- I'd start with what are those one or two things and then go hunting for those. And if I could get both of the partners of the SMSF or, or two or three or how many there are to agree what those things are, then hopefully that would, I guess, create a sense of consistency that after we've both agreed that the most important thing is X, whatever that X is, then after we've made a decision based on X, the chance that one of us then goes back and complains to the other one that you made a unilateral decision, well, actually, no, we both agreed that X was important. We looked at this manager, the manager's very good at X, therefore we chose this manager. So that's the sort of thing I'd be thinking of. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and I will just make this comment, the ramifications matter, don't they? Because... Um, we've designed Open Invest in a way that the individuals, once they've chosen a manager, get regular streams of content and updates and um, explanations from their chosen asset manager as a means of providing comfort and confidence and transparency, which ultimately uh, equals reassurance. And in the case of an SMSF, if that's if that's the outcome, because the couple have decided as trustees of the fund, that they want to select, let's assume they've selected BlackRock as the asset manager they want to run their portfolio, the world's largest asset manager. Well, you're right, they've done so jointly through the means you've just suggested, and thereafter, uh, there's a greater p- 
percentage likelihood that they're going to feel that confidence and reassurance because it was their decision, not one of their decisions. And I guess the, the, the negative is, or the sorry, the counterfactual to that is a better phrase, if one of them steams ahead and makes a decision and they feel as though, well, maybe I didn't make the right decision, the other partner feels uh, this hasn't been a good decision, there's a lot of negative ramifications that can follow, including uh, changing asset manager, selling down, um, all sorts of strains and stresses. Um, therefore, even if the portfolio is successful in a financial setting, then uh the job hasn't been done because one or both of those people have feeling psychological stress for the duration that they've got someone looking after them. And, and when you set up an SMSF, that's you are now responsible for making those uh, making decisions with respect to your own retirement. It can be stressful without professional help. So choosing the right professional assistance, doing so together in a way that maximises the chances you're going to sleep at night, it, it really matters. Yeah. And to me, in addition to the sleeping at night piece, I mean, I'm often looking for what is the behavioural consequence. So, well, sorry, there is a behavioural consequence. The one is that you're lying in bed with your eyes open. But in addition to that, what's the behavioural consequence in an investment context here, which might be I'm actually switching managers or I'm switching to cash, yes. for example, in yep. response. At which the is, worst time. Yep. At, yeah, which is quite possibly at the worst time. Or, or even if I'm just randomly, almost randomly, let's just say I haven't happened to pick the, the top or the bottom to, do, to make these choices, but I'm just randomly doing it throughout a, um, an investment cycle, then there's a cost of being in cash when markets typically go up. There's the, the equity risk premium I'm failing to get over a long period of time would be important for, for most investors. And the switching asset manager decision, well, typically people tend to switch from an asset manager just before they do well into another asset manager that tends to do less well. So you're actually better off not making those decisions. Yes. So, so to me, there's a real, yes, I agree, sleeping at night, there's a psychological value too, but there's a dollar value as well. If you can stick with what is a, an investment strategy that has good long-term prospects, but stick through, through cycles, not, not just cycles of the asset manager doing well versus peers, but also of markets going up and down, um, just generally, there's a real dollar value attached yes, to that as well. That, that makes perfect sense. Well, in fact, here's one as well that I've just uh, wanted to throw in at the end. That's a dollar value and a psychological stress issue as well that, that people would be more comfortable. If given, and I think we mentioned this in our podcast last time, the extent to which money issues and disagreements about money are a significant cause of, cause of uh, stress in a relationship, the extent to which those stresses are reduced must, in aggregate, uh, across the entire population, um, lead to a certain percentage of marital or, or spousal breakdowns that can be avoided. And therefore, if better decisions are taken because people are making those decisions uh, more collaboratively, leading to better sleeping at night, better portfolio and therefore investment return outcomes, there must be the case, there must be research on this, and at some point I must look it up, it must be the case that couples are going to stay together longer and, and that's going to have a more uh, a, a positive impact on psychological well-being across families and also financial outcomes as well. Yeah. So this stuff really this stuff really matters. So before this turns into a marriage guidance counselling session, yes. so on that note, we'll, we'll wrap it up for today. If listeners would like to get in touch with you and your team, Andrew, to find out more about what Open Invest has to offer, what's the best way? Uh, the best way is online. So um, Open Invest com.au and uh, on openinvest.com.au there's 
content information, the quizzes that together we that you drove but we contributed to. And for people who are interested in my content about the psychology of communication, uh, my, my recent book, Behavioural Finance, A Guide for Financial Advisors, is a good resource. Books available online via book retailers like Amazon and Book Depository, or you can get in touch with me via my website, behavioralfinanceaustralia.com.au. Thanks for your time today, Andrew. Thank you, Simon.